so good to see you. I see some faces I haven't seen in about five months. It's good to see you back and welcome. And uh, some of you are watching with us online. Thank you for joining us. And uh, if you hadn't had a chance to do it yet, there's a, a connection card to see one on your on your chair. And uh, let us know that you're with us today. If you're first time, we'd love to connect with you. And uh, you can fill out that connection card. And, uh, and the way we're doing offering and dropping off the cards, if we got baskets throughout the building, and you can drop that card off in one of our locations. You'll see an offering basket to drop that card in the basket. Let us know about your visit. Or if you're a first-time guest, I'd love to meet you after the service. I'll be back here outside, and uh, you can give that card right to me. So if you have that card, I'd love to meet you. And uh, we have a free gift to give to all of our first-time guests that are here with us this morning. And uh, so good, so good to see you guys. And uh, if you hadn't had a chance, there's a connection card. Um, I'm sorry, there's a handout. There's a uh, program. That's just one step at a time here. A program, a digital program. And you can see that. You can just touch the word program at that phone number behind me or you see it in front of you in the chair. And uh, that gives you all kinds of stuff that's happening. We've got um, uh, college Recognition for college graduates. If you graduated in the last year or you're about to graduate, we want to recognize you um, next Sunday and, and just recognize your achievement. We've got uh, baby, child dedication, communion, volunteer appreciation night for all of our volunteers, um, all kinds of stuff. And so make sure you check that out and, uh, and, and see what's going on so you don't miss a thing that's happening here at Late Point. So, um, well, today, I want to continue in our series, Faith Over Fear. Faith Over Fear. And uh, the last couple of weeks, we talked about the fear of the future. We talked about the fear of failure. Uh, today, I want to talk about something that's very personal to me. In fact, this is probably uh, my biggest fear, the fear that I had to overcome, the fear that I had to wrestle with. And, and, and I'm going to talk about today the fear of rejection, the fear of being rejected, the fear of rejection. The Bible says, and it tells us the danger of living by the fear of rejection in Proverbs 29 verse 25. In fact, this is probably uh, my second most, my second life verse. I got a life verse in, uh, in Philippians, and uh, that's like my verse. But if I had an Old Testament life verse, this would be it. Proverbs 29, verse 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man proved to be a snare. It's a trap. Uh, and, and one person described a, uh, the word snare as a hook in the nose. And if it wasn't so, you know, I don't, if we weren't in that COVID season, I would put my finger and I'd just kind of show you what a hook in the nose looks like. And i put that finger right in there. But um, I don't want to freak you guys out, okay? And, uh, but that, that's what a fear of man is. It's like a hook in the nose. It's being kind of pulled from direction to direction all over the place. You're not leading with your heart. You're leading with your, with your, with your hopefully not being afraid of what people think about you. The fear of man, it's a snare, it's a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Now, I want to give us, as we jump into this, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give us two 
rejection trap, and maybe perhaps this is one of you, you know, some of you fall in one of these two types of traps. And uh, here's the first one. Some of us can easily become overly starved for acceptance. We're overly starved. We're, we're always on a pursuit of being accepted and not being rejected by people. We're overly starved. The sad thing is that when we're overly starved for acceptance, the very thing that we desire most is the first thing that we lose. So when you're overly starved, the thing that you desire most is the thing that goes away. So the more we become needy, the more hungry for acceptance that we're looking for, we lose the very thing that we're desiring so badly in our lives. We see this in the Old Testament in the life of King Saul, who had the potential of being one of the greatest kings that's ever lived. And yet, he was, he was all about pursuing what people think. He was all about acceptance and trying to get people to like him. In fact, one part of the story is God had commanded him to do something, and he violated the commands of God. And the, the prophet Samuel, he had to confront him and say, you've disobeyed God. You have disobeyed his word. And, and Saul repented, and we see his apology, his confession in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. And as a result, God eventually took away the kingdom from him, and, and the thing that he desired most is the very first thing that he lost. He was looking for it, and he lost everything. Saul said, I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. And how often do we do that? When you think about that, how often... Are you afraid of what people think about you? How often are we afraid? And so rather than doing the right thing, you do what you think they would want you to do. We respond to what people think. And so many of us, we live with the fear of man. I know a lot of people today, they want to please God with the purity sexual purity, and they, and they want to wait until they're married to give themselves to their spouse, their future spouse, but instead, wanting the approval of someone, they'll give away their purity. They'll give it away. They will give their body away. They will jump from bed to bed to bed seeking approval. I'm hoping that they would love me. We're hoping that they would accept me. People just spend... I know people that spend hours, they spend hours on their body, their hair, their image, their face, they're poofing up, poofing down, moving things around, okay? <laughs> and, they're, and they're always looking for acceptance. I just want people to like me. I want people to accept me. By the way, nothing wrong with doing good things. Nothing wrong with improving your image. But some of us, were doing it for the wrong reason. We want people to accept us. No, if I buy this car, Maybe they'll like me if I buy this house. 
Maybe they'll become my friends. We, we play games. With the, uh, we want to play catching up with the Joneses. You've heard that phrase before. We want to catch up with the Joneses. We, 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 we buy things with money that we don't have to hang out with people that we don't like. <laughs> We're all about trying to find acceptance. You know, if, if I compromise my integrity and don't do what I believe is most important, but I do what you like, you know, what well, you like me, compromise. I know many people, they, they live for their parents' dreams. Got to make daddy happy. I got to make mama happy. I know people whose parents died 10 years ago and they're still trying to make them happy. We're just on a constant pursuit of being overly starved for acceptance. We're overly starved for acceptance in our social media lives. You know, before, you know, we, could, we couldn't quite measure our popularity when I was growing up. You know, I mean, if I got beat up a little bit, I, I probably wasn't so popular. Okay, so, but it's hard to measure how popular you are. But today, you can measure popularity easily on your social media. I mean, you can go on and say, man, I got, I got 200 plus more followers than my friends do. I'm pretty popular. Or, or we, we, we strive for being overly accepted on social media by the things that we post, hoping that people will like it. We measure, we measure our popularity by how many likes, how many shares, and we're frustrated. We're frustrated if, if, if someone else posts something and they get more shares, they get more likes than your post. And then you look at who liked it, who didn't like it, and you get frustrated if the person you want didn't like it. We're, we're, we're overly starved for acceptance that we'll do whatever it takes. The Bible said, if you're a man, it's a snare, it's a trap. Don't go there. Gonna, it's a hook in the nose. They're being pulled around trying to be accepted by others. So here's two quick thoughts. If you're, if you're falling in this category of, man, I'm always trying to get me out there and I'm always trying hard to be accepted. I'm overly, um, you know, I'm overly uh, addicted to being, you know, accepted, being people accept me. Here, here's two ideas. If you're taking notes, approval addicts. They have an inability to confront. They want everyone to like them. It's hard to confront. You want people to like you. And we can never have the intimacy and the relationship that God wants until we can have honest, real conversation and to confront when necessary. But if you're in this category, you have an inability to confront. But you also, the second challenge is that you give in to others Approval, approval addict, they're given to others, but inside, inwardly, they're angry, they're resentful, they're mad. They're like, okay, I'll do what you want me to do, but inside, you're just, ah, oh, it's eating up at you. Not what you want, but you're doing it because you want to be like. You want to be like. You're overly starved for acceptance. And that's the first trap. The second trap, and this is where I fall in, this is where I'm in, and maybe some of you can relate, is that some of us can, be easily, can easily become overly cautious. 
overly cautious. It's the idea of, man, I've been hurt before. And I don't want to get hurt again. I want to keep everybody at arm's distance away. I mean, in fact, you're probably loving this social distancing thing anyway right now. You know, you're just, hey, I, I love it because, by golly, I let you hurt me like someone has hurt me in the past already. I'm not going there. Been there, done that, and you become reserved. Reserved. You're afraid to do anything because you don't want to be rejected and become reserved. You're on the opposite of the overly starved mentality. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, 28, verse 14. It's a blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. And, and, I, and I see this a lot. I see this in my life. When I become overly cautious, my heart becomes hard to others. And ultimately, my heart becomes hard to God. And it falls into trouble. It falls into trouble. Some of you, you don't fit in a certain crowd or when someone tells you they're going to be there forever and, and then yet they break your heart, they crush your spirit, they crush your soul. And so you become overly cautious. You're afraid of putting yourself out there again. Sadly, I've seen this before with a lot of Christians Christ followers and the loving Jesus, they're growing in their walk, and, but there's somebody in their family that don't know Jesus, maybe a brother or sister, mom or dad, maybe, a, maybe their spouse, or maybe it's a co-worker or, or a really good friend, and, and you're afraid, you're just afraid, man, if I go and tell them about Jesus, I, they might reject me, they might think I'm weird, and so you, you stay quiet, you're overly Cautious. You don't want to be rejected. You don't want, you don't want to upset the apple cart. And the very thing, this very thing happened in the scripture. By a group of people who believe in Jesus, they were all excited about who Jesus was, but they were afraid to confess their faith in a public way because they were afraid of rejection. Look at John chapter 12, verse 42. At the same time, many, even among the leaders, I mean, some of the top dogs, some of the, some of the CEOs, you know, some, you know, the white-collared people in Jerusalem, they, they started believing in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, the religious crowd, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue for they loved human praise more than praise from God. So they were overly cautious. They were overly cautious. The fear of man, it's a snare, it's a trap, the hook in the nose. We have become overly cautious, or some of us have become overly starved. For me, overly cautious plays a big role in my life. You know, I, most of you know, if you're first time with us, you may not know, um, but I wear hearing aids. I was born with 80% uh, hearing loss. And uh, it's sometimes interesting. I have to tell pastors, you know, I was with other pastors the other night. I said, you know, I, I'm the only deaf guy in the church. And, and I, and I, but being, because I'm 80% deaf, that means I only hear about 20% of the complaints. So it's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. But um, growing up, I was, you know, innocent, you know, little kid. didn't think anything of it. I became a follower of Jesus when I was in second grade. And shortly after, God was calling me to be in, to be in a ministry. 
I felt, man, that's what God wanted me to be. There was nothing else I wanted to do but to be a pastor, to be a preacher. And, and, and so I, I would tell my friends in class, you know, in school, I, I would say, hey, I, I think God wants me to be a preacher when I grow up. By, by the way, I went to a Christian school. So this was a good answer to give in a Christian school. It was not weird to say that, but it was weird because they thought a deaf guy shouldn't be thinking about being in the ministry. I said, Scott, you can't be a preacher. You can't be a pastor. I said, well, why not? I didn't know. I said, well, Scott, you talk funny. You know, you can't, you, you can't, you don't, you can't speak well. You, people have a hard time understanding you. And also, Scott, think about it. You know, a lot of people are going to come to you. They're going to want to talk to you. And you're not going to hear them. You're going to have a hard time hearing. And, and listen, both of it true. You know, especially with people with their masks on trying to talk to me. I'm like, I can't read your lips, you know. This is tough, you know, and I get it. We'll probably be safe, but, man, this is a challenge. You know, I try to read, I try to read body language. You know, sometimes, you know, that's important for me. If I see you in a happy mood, in a good mood, and I can't hear a word you're saying, I just kind of go with it. I said, hey, praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Man, that is awesome. I just kind of go with it. You know, and if you're coming to me and you're sad and you're crying and I, I, and I can't hear a word you're saying, you know, but I know it's something bad, you know, I said, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. I say those things. I have no clue what they're saying. I have no clue. And I walk away. And I'm being sincere, by the way. I am absolutely sincere when I say I'm praying for you. I go to God and say, God, I didn't hear a word that person was saying. I hope you got it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a challenge. It's even trickier when, when, when the body language and what, the, what I'm seeing and what they're telling me cross. I think they're in a good mood, but they're not. I was in a, a retirement home ministry down in Florida. Once a month, just going down and ministering to, you know, retired people. And there's an old guy named Bill. He comes down and a build, builder, you know, he 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 uh, was in the Navy a long time ago. World War II, Korean War kind of stuff. I mean, this guy was, you know, just thick. And then he comes down the hallway. He said, hey, Scott. I said, hey, Bill, how's it going? You know, and, and, and he got to talk to me, and I can't hear a word Bill telling me. But I'm thinking, Bill's smiling. Bill's in a good mood. Bill's good. I started saying the words, you know, hey, that's awesome, Bill. Praise the Lord. That, that's a, that, man, I'm so happy for you. You sound like a wonderful, wonderful day. And I walk away, and, my, and my, I had a buddy with me walking away, and he said, Scott, I, th I don't think you heard the conversation really well. I said, what do you mean? I said, no, he did not have a wonderful day. It was bad. I said, well, what did he say? Because I had no clue. He, he had a smile on his face like it was no big deal. He said, no, it wasn't good. Here, here's what I missed. I missed the word enema. Can you say that? <laughs> say that in church, right? Protologist. I missed that word. Colonoscopy. I missed that word too. The whole time I'm saying, man, you have a wonderful day, Bill. Sounds great. <laughs> I mean, listen. 
I, my kids just got, you're going to have a hard time hearing people on the right. They're absolutely right. But I tell you, my, my, I became reserved in that moment. In third grade, fourth grade, I thought, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be in the ministry. Surely I don't want to get my line crossed. Surely I don't want to sound weird and people can't understand. And so I played a game of being overly cautious. And I thought, you know, I better play it safe. I didn't want to do anything. But this whole time, I felt God saying, Scott, you're going to go into ministry. You're going to do this. And I kept fighting God. I kept resisting. I got into middle school and high school. And God said, hey, you got to do this. And in our school, we had a chapel where the students can own the chapel. And you can sign up to play a music, uh, like an instrument or sing a song, duet, solo, read a poem. Or give a 10, 15-minute sermon. And every month, they had that opportunity on a bulletin board to sign up. And every month, I would look at that bulletin board and I said, no, I am not going to play. Or I'm not going to preach. I felt God saying, I want you to write your name. I want you to preach, Scott. I want you to do this. No. They're going to have a hard time understanding me. They're going to laugh at me. And it's not going to be good. And so I would walk away. In fact, I would sign up to play the trumpet because I could play the trumpet really good. I would play that, and, and my trumpet sounded like the other guy's trumpet. It sounds good. I could hide behind my trumpet. But the moment I started speaking, I was like, no. My heart became hardened to do what God wants me to do. Overly cautious. I'm going to come back to my story in a few minutes because I'm going to give two principles here that I hope that will help you because they helped me. Two principles that I pray that will help you overcome the fear of rejection. Whether you fall into the trap of being overly starved, you're always working overtime to get acceptance for people, even when it's against every being, every fiber of your being. Or maybe you're overly cautious, like maybe where I'm at or where I was. Two, two, uh, two principles here. The first one is, that you and I will learn to say yes. Say yes to pleasing God. In the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 22, we see a story of Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah. And he was having a conversation with the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said, Jehoshaphat, why don't you partner up with me? Let's go to war. Let's take back the land that we lost that rightly belonged to us. And notice how Jehoshaphat, the king, responded in verse number 5. It says, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. Seek the counsel of the Lord. I love, I love this style of leadership. It's not, first, let's check out our advisors and see what they think. Not that. He didn't say, first, let's um." Let's send out a poll and see what the people think. Let's seek God first. Let's see what he has to say. And when you and I are faced with making a decision, what do you do? What do you do? What do do I do? Do you go to your friends and families? Do you go to your coworkers and, and ask them what they think first? Or do you go to God first and see what he says? We seek him out. There's a story about one of the most famous evangelists, Campbell Morgan. 
back in the early, uh, the late 1800s into the early 1900s, and one of the most famous evangelists was part of the Great Awakening Revival in the early 1900s. He shared a story in 1888. He had just graduated from seminary and was standing before his ordination council. The ordination council determined whether um, he is fit to be a pastor or an evangelist, be a preacher, is he fit for ministry? And so they listened to his calling. And at the end of the day, the ordination council looked at Campbell Morgan and said, rejected, rejected. And some of you know the feeling. You've been there where you felt rejected. Where people say, you're not welcome here. You don't belong. You don't fit. And Cameron Morgan devastated and sends a telegram to his dad with one word on that telegram with the word rejected. Rejected. A few days later, his his dad responded with a telegram. And on that telegram changes Campbell Morgan's life forever. His dad wrote, his dad wrote, rejected by men, accepted by God. Rejected by men and accepted by God. And that's where I want to fall. That's where I want to be. I want to I want to be accepted by God. And if I'm going to be accepted by God, the reality is I'm going to face rejection by people. Jesus went through the same thing. In fact, Isaiah, he said in Isaiah chapter 53, this is what he prophesied about Jesus Christ. He said that he would be despised, that he would be rejected by men. By men. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the challenge for us is that we seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. We seek him first. We make him a priority. Now, everything else will fall into place. You can't seek the, 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 the acceptance of people and the acceptance of God at the same time. He is first. You seek him. So we say yes to pleasing God. And the second thing, if you're taking notes, and it should be obvious, is you say no to pleasing people. You say no to pleasing people. We are, we are not driven, we are not driven by becoming people pleasers. That's what I mean by that. We're not driven in our life to please people. I love the way the question is asked in Isaiah 51. Isaiah, he asked the question. He said, who are you that you fear mere mortals, human beings who are but grass, that you forget the Lord, your maker? Who are you that you fear people? And you know what's crazy is how often I get caught up, how I get caught up in my approval addiction, how I got to, you know, hey, I got to do this for the, you know, whether I'm overly starved or overly cautious, that I forget God sometimes. That I'm worried about me and what people think, that I forget about who God is, what he wants to do. He, the Lord, your maker. And, and that's where I was in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm, 
overly cautious. God wants me to be in ministry. God wants me to be a preacher. God wants me to, to step out in faith. And I kept saying no. I kept forgetting about what God wants to do in my life. And every, every time I walked down that hallway to pass that bulletin board with a little sign-up sheet, the sign-up for that special chapel was a, was a, a time of conviction, a moment of conviction. I was being convicted every time walking by that board. A bo- with a voice that says, Scott, put your name on the line. Trust me. Don't fear what people think. And every year I did this, every month, 7th grade, 8th grade, 9th grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, every month I kept saying no to God because I wanted to say yes to pleasing people. My senior year, I walked by that board and God just grabbed my heart. It's says, Scott, grab that pen and sign your name. So I put my name on that board. I scribbled it. By the way, I looked both down the hallways. No one was looking. You know, I scribbled my name. I said, okay, my name's on the line. And I didn't know what to preach. But I remember right before I preached, I was reading my Bible. And I was reading Exodus chapter 4. It was a story of Moses in the wilderness, the burning bush. And in that burning bush, God tells Moses, he says, you're going to go back to Egypt, and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And if you remember the story, Moses said, God, no, 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 no. You got the wrong guy. I stutter. I speak with a funny voice. There are other people that are more qualified. They, they, got, they got better speaking voice. They hold more authority. God, you got the wrong man. And I'm reading this. I'm like, man, Moses, you and I, we can hang. I'm, I'm with you. And, and, and God responded to Moses. He said, Moses, who made you? Who made the deaf? The dumb? The, you know, those that can't talk? Who made the blind, the lame? Who made you? And then God said to Moses, Now go, and I will be with you in your mouth, and I will tell you what to say. And that that passage of Scripture grabs my heart. It's okay, Lord. I signed my name up. My very first sermon was Exodus chapter 4. It was my story. It was my life. I said, God, I'm ready to please you and not people. And here's the deal. Every single day, every single day, every single day of your life, you have an opportunity to cave in and live for the approval of people or you can surrender faith over fear to please God, to please him. I love what Paul asked. He asked the question, a very powerful question, a convicting question. 
It's a question he asked himself. It's a question I want you to ask of, your, of yourself as well. It's Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. The fear of man, it's a trap, it's a snare, the hook in the nose. You don't want to go there. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be saved. We say yes to pleasing God. We say no to being a people pleaser. And when we do those two things, that leads us to our goal. And if you're taking notes one more time, our goal before God is to live for an audience of one. We live for him. That's our goal. That's my goal. My goal is not to live for the audience of, of you. My goal is to live for the audience of the one who made me and the one that made you. We please him. John chapter 5 verse 30, Jesus said this, He said, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but I seek the one who sent me. I please the audience, and I live for the audience of one, of one. I love the words of Lloyd Ogilvie, and I'll be done. Lloyd Ogilvie, maybe some of these words will become, will be, will be, will become a part of your life as well. Lloyd Ogilvie said this, secure in God's love, I will not surrender my self-worth to the opinions and judgments of others. When I am rejected, I will not retaliate. When I'm hurt, I will allow God's love to heal me. And knowing the pain of rejection, I will seek to love those who suffer from his anguish. Look at that very first line one more time. Secure in God's love. I will not surrender myself worth to the opinions and judgment of others. You see, I say yes to pleasing God. I say no to pleasing people. And my goal is to live for the audience of one. And when I do that, I find my security in who God is and who he has done in my life, and what he has done in my life. I find my faith over fear because of who he is. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can have faith over fear in the area of being rejected. Maybe some of us here were overly cautious, like me. Perhaps there are others that were overly starved for acceptance, that would do whatever it takes even if it means compromising what we stand for, what we believe. But God, I pray at the end of the day that we learn to say yes to pleasing you and that we will say no to being a people pleaser and that we will live for you and the audience of one. And God, I perhaps maybe there's someone here that don't know Jesus. I pray that today they will know the one that created them, that has a design for their life, a purpose for their life, that they will say yes to you and you alone. 
perhaps today they can have a conversation with me or one of our pastors, one of our anybody on our leadership team to talk to them what it means to have a real relationship to follow after you. And so God, we ask you, help us this week. Help us to overcome the fear of rejection. Faith over fear. In Jesus' name, amen.